It's 5 p.m. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, Banco Popular has now joined the VI Slice Moderate Income Home Ownership Program. We speak with St. Croix Foundation President Deanna James about the most recent kids count data that indicates a significant decrease in the population of children in the territory. Former Casino Control Commission contractor Stephanie Barnes has filed a motion to appeal her conviction. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Croix, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. One of the territory's major lending institutions, Banco Popular, has now joined the VI Slice Moderate Income Home Ownership Program. They've become the sixth local bank to sign a memorandum of agreement with the Virgin Islands Economic Development Authority to participate in the program. We spoke with EDA Chief Executive Officer Wayne Biggs Jr., given the announcement. In the early stages before we actually drafted the MOA, we sat down with the banking institutions and see uh, if there was any interest for the program. And Banco was very supportive of the program, but based on um, some of the feedback they got from their compliance area and Puerto Rico and stuff, they were a little comfortable with some of the clauses um, in the uh, MOA. Uh, the other banks weren't as, um, didn't have the same issues that they had. And then we were able to, like I said, negotiate and work through those issues. It took a little longer than we expected or that we anticipated and hoped for. But um, again, we're glad to have them online and have them know a part of the PA Slice program. Banco Popular being a partner makes them the second participating lender in the VI Slice program to offer construction loans, with Merchants Commercial Bank being the first local lender to sign an MOA. Mr. Biggs said that they are continuing to work to expand the number of financial lenders participating in the program. We've reached out to Bank of St. Croix and we're hoping that we can get Bank of St. Croix online and we're also um, hopefully uh, we'll circle back around to Flagstar and see if we can get Flagstar online also. There are private lending entity that um, they do, you know, a lot of mortgages here in the territory. So um, a couple, we're still continuing to get more lending entities in the fold. You know, we think the more options that um, residents have, uh, the more successful the program will be and a greater chance of home ownership. For participating lenders and qualifications for the SLICE program, visit vislice.com. For years, the annual Kids Count USVI report showcases the critical data about child well-being from federal, state, and local government agencies. The St. Croix Foundation is presently leading the charge for the data collection in the territory, a job that Foundation President Deanna James says is vitally important. It is the largest repository of data on children uh, in the territory and families and the well-being and welfare of you know our most vulnerable residents and so um we we understood what it means it means a lot for almost every single every state and territory that that has a, a kids count uh, uh, uh initiative recognizes that you know policy is being developed because of kids count um data programming is being designed through some of the social impact organizations. So it has incredible implications and we understand 
um, the responsibility we hold in making sure that we are painting as complete uh, a picture on the welfare of children and families here in the Virgin Islands. Ms. James says the most alarming data from this year's reporting is the significant reduction of the population of children in the territory. That's scary for every single person who's um, designing uh, policy or programming economic development strategies. Um, we have to think really strategically and honestly about what that means if uh, with each year our child population is decreasing. What, what does that mean to our workforce? What does that mean to the University of the Virgin Islands and um, all of our education stakeholders that we have less and less children? She says the implication of those numbers will affect the territory's future. You hear it so often during election season that our youth are, you know, our children are our future. And they are, you know, we, we talk about these massive, you know, uh, capital development projects that are happening, whether it's roads or hospitals, um, you know, who works, who, who's, who are we going to employ uh, to do all of that work? When you think about an aging population and that we are, the Virgin Islands is the oldest population in the Caribbean. So our average, I think, age population is somewhere around 40, 40, 45. Um, and, and I'll just use a, as a comparison, although it was not included in data book, Africa, the average age of the continent of Africa is 18. <laughs> so you think about what that means for the future of Africa to develop a country that is considered underdeveloped when you have that many young people you have there's a lot of potential for economic growth when you have a population that's inverted where uh, you have an aging population and a shrinking youth population you have to think about like uh, as we are getting older who's taking care of us who you know who are going to who are going to be the, the the people providing health care services for an aging population for information about kids count and the st Croix foundation visit stxfoundation.org. The Hess Corporation will pay $150 million to the 910 claimants made up of St. Croix refinery workers and their families who were injured by asbestos exposure. According to a settlement reached by a Texas bankruptcy court, the deal ends decades of litigation that some of the victims never lived to see. Under the agreement, Hess will pay $105 million into a trust within 10 days and put aside $45 million for any future claims, including $25 million now an additional $20 million in five years, which could increase up to $37 million depending on the need. According to the settlement, just over $11.5 million will be reserved for mesothelioma claims. Payouts to those affected will be calculated using a seemingly complex point system, depending on the claimant's injury classification, impairment rating, and exposure history. Senators recently voted in favor of an amendment sponsored by Senator Milton Potter, appointing half a million dollars from the Health Revolving Fund for the Roy Lester Center Hospital to purchase equipment that would aid in providing interventional cardiology services. We spoke with Senator Potter on the issue that prompted the financial appropriation. Earlier this fall, sometime in the fall, got a call from Dr. Rosenberg, who 
serving as a medical director at the Roy Schneider Hospital. And they were on the verge of hiring a, an interventional cardiologist. They identified a guy who um, was, you know, top-notch individual on the mainland, and uh, he um, was willing to come here to work. And one of the big things that um, was like one of the obvious things was that we needed some critical interventional radiology equipment, and which was key really if someone has a heart attack. Uh, normally, they would have to try to be stabilized here um, at the hospital and then flown out, flown out of the territory for treatment. You know, time in these critical situations is key. Um, it's a matter of life and death, literally. So this piece of equipment, and I'm no, I'm no physician, but the experts were telling me, look, this is what we need. And if we got this piece of equipment, it could save countless uh, a countless number of lives because we would no longer have to fly folks um, out of the territory uh, for treatment, you know, if unfortunately, you know, you became the victim of a heart attack. Senator Potter says the cost is a one-time fee to expand healthcare access in the territory. However, they made it clear that there was some additional um, equipment that, you know, would be nice to have along the way. Um, so I, I can't say that this is it <laughs> as far as, you know, identifying funding to secure critical equipment. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you move in order of priority. And I think this was one of the must-have pieces of equipment that they're going to need. But we're definitely going to continue to work closely with the hospital uh, to make sure that we're able to identify all of the equipment and personnel that may be necessary to put us um, in a better situation here in the territory. You're listening to the WTJX Newsfeed. Stephanie Barnes, who was sentenced on December 8th to serve 44 months or three years and approximately seven months in prison after much legal wrangling, has filed an appeal for her conviction. On December 21st, court records indicate that Barnes filed a motion to request that an appeal be held in abeyance or suspended until her motion for request of trial transcript and district court records are received. She also requested that the motion be suspended until her motion of ineffective assistance of counsel is pursued. Barnes's request also includes that her motion of appeal be suspended so that she may pursue a leave to appeal in form of papyrus, which is given to those who do not have the means to pay the docket fee for an appeal. Merchants Commercial Bank, in collaboration with the Federal Home Loan Bank of New York, awarded five local businesses with a small business recovery grant. Merchants Bank President Valdemir Collins says the grants were a way to provide opportunities to local businesses navigating financial hurdles and laying the foundation for financial growth. Given how interest rates affected a lot of the businesses in the territories since, you know, interest rates started to increase March of last year, you know, it, it created an environment of high inflation, um, the supply chain issues probably uh, emanated from after the hurricane. And there's still supply chain issues because, you know, the DI, we're at the end of the supply chain. And so it seems like 
Um, <clears throat> usually, it's uh, usually it, they offer the small business recovery grant after uh, disasters or uh, situations in the economy, um, like like the pandemic, like what happened with the you know. 525 basis point increase in interest rates starting in March of 2022. And just recently, the, the Fed stopped increasing interest rates uh, somewhere around September or so. Um, and so, you know, the bank, FHLB New York, usually sets aside a certain amount. I don't know how much and when they're going to do the, uh, the SBRG, but it just so happened that they were offering it at the end of 2023. We applied for it. We had, you know, some companies in mind, some of which were startup companies, some of which were nonprofits, you know, that met the criteria that FHLB was looking for. And um, we, we were approved by FHLB for approximately, you know, $50,000 and we dispersed it to five entities. The five grant recipients were B-Craft Cooks, Alliance Point Charter LLC, Global Marine LLC, Island Green Building Association, and My Brother's Workshop. In an update regarding the lawsuit of former Senator Stephen Payne Sr. against the 34th legislature, lawyers for both sides have until January 11th to explain why the former senator's lawsuit about his expulsion from the Senate should remain in the Superior Court or be transferred to the Virgin Islands Supreme Court. Representation for the legislature previously questioned Superior Court Judge Renee Gums Cardi's authority to preside over the case, citing her term had expired. Judge Cardi warned the legislature's counsel it was violating the court rules by filing frivolous motions. Court rules require first asking the assigned Superior Court judge to pause or stay the case while seeking to move it to the Supreme Court. The legislature, however, bypassed that step, telling Supreme Court Justice Reese Hodge that they feared Judge Cardi would react angrily or take the motion personally. Judge Hodge denied the legislature's recent motion to stay the case, essentially stopping the legal process, but said that he would allow counsel to refile the motion after both Payne and the legislature responded to the petition to move the trial that's already been scheduled for March to the Supreme Court. The Virgin Islands Energy Office is anticipating more federal dollars that will seek to benefit residents of the territory. That's according to Energy Office Director Kyle Fleming. In total for 2023, uh, we were approved for about $14 million um, across various federal agencies that include the U.S. Department of Energy, U.S. Department of Interior, um, and some of the other uh, resources that we're seeking and awaiting approval from uh, include the Environmental Protection Agency, uh, which un all under the, the Biden infrastructure law, as well as the Inflation Reduction Act, all these agencies have uh, been given some, some significant resources relative to uh, pushing the clean uh, clean energy agenda. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why we're not just seeing an increase in funding, but also an increase in funding coming from uh, federal agencies that we don't typically uh, receive resources from. Going into 2024, we have a number of applications that are awaiting approval um, to 
and, and the total of 150 million that we expect uh, approval of in 2024. So, um, in total, 164 million is, is really what we have within arm's reach. 14 million so far has been uh, approved, uh, with an additional 150 awaiting uh, awaiting approval. Uh, but we're hopeful that we will be successful in uh, securing those additional funds as well. Director Fleming says the money will go towards funding the territory's Solar for All program. That's the, uh, a program that is going to fund both residential and community solar, as well as uh, battery energy storage to be associated with both the residential and community solar projects. Um, the Homes Energy Efficiency and Electrification Rebate uh, is a $50 million grant that will provide uh, significant cost reductions for uh, the community investment in high efficiency appliances, um, even to include uh, heat pump air conditioning systems, which is, I think, one of the, uh, I think it's going to be a really key um, eligible technology here in the territory. I think we just came off of one of the hottest summers uh, in, in recent memory. Uh, so being able to get funding that can support uh, wide deployment of not just um, the, the resource, the valuable resource in, in air conditioning, but high efficiency air conditioning for the community uh, couldn't really come at a better time. You are listening to the WTJX News Feed. The Virgin Islands Department of Public Works is seeking bids to renovate bus shelters on the island of St. Croix. To renovate the bus shelters from Kings Hill to Adventure, bids are due by January 8th by 10 a.m., and bids to renovate the bus shelters from Anna's Hope to Kings Hill are due by January 12th by 10 p.m. And for renovations to the bus shelters from Adventure to Frederickstead, they are due by January 8th by 10 p.m. St. John residents will be affected by a scheduled electrical service interruption occurring on Friday, January 5th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. The Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority estimates that 502 customers on feeder 7E in the Carolina, Hanson Bay, Calabash Boom, Emos, Eden, St. Quaco, and Zimmerman, Hard Labor, Freeman's Ground, and Zutenval area will all experience a disruption in service as WAPA personnel work to safely replace a broken pole. As we make our way down the news feed, we turn now to our regional report. The border dispute between Guyana and Venezuela is appearing to grow even more tense. Despite the two countries agreeing to settle disputes peacefully, a British warship arrived in Guyana leading Venezuela to begin military exercises a day earlier. The UK Defense Ministry said that the HMS Trent is visiting Guyana as part of a series of engagements in the region and that the vessel will conduct training exercises with Guyana's military. Brazil's Ministry of Foreign Affairs expressed concern about the situation and urged the two countries to return to dialogue, saying that other nations should avoid military activities that support either side. Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro said Guyana was violating the Argyle Agreement, an agreement the two countries signed while meeting in early December in St. Vincent, where the leader said they would solve the border dispute through nonviolent means. Guyana President Ifran Ali said Venezuela had nothing to fear from the ship's activities in Guyanese waters. In more updates on the news feed, residents should anticipate scattered showers. We're turning now to the territory's weather forecast.
Here's the latest look at the short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We'll find sunshine to increasing clouds this afternoon area-wide. Scattered showers are also likely mainly near sunset. Temperatures will hold in the middle 80s and then fall to the lower 80s this afternoon at St. Croix. Winds from the east at 5 to 10 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, similar story. Highs will hold in the middle 80s and then fall. Winds from the east at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Any scattered showers tonight will give way to partly cloudy skies, especially after midnight. Lows fall back into the middle 70s at St. Croix. Winds remain similar from the east-northeast at 5 to 10. At St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find clouds decreasing after midnight. Lows also in the middle 70s. Winds stronger from the east-northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Gusts close to 20. We'll find sunshine to increasing clouds during the day on Thursday with scattered showers in the afternoon area-wide. Highs will reach the middle 80s at St. Croix with winds from the east at 5 to 10. And at St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find highs in the middle to upper 80s with winds from the east at 5 to 10 miles per hour. That's the latest look at the short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. And if you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. If you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.